That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to Episode 6 of Wannabe Walk-Ons, the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. I'm Drew, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ben. It's game week! Each episode, we will sample craft beers, both local and beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. This week is game week! We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. There is a football game this week! And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com. Game week! Game week! On this week's episode, we will preview Nebraska's season opener against Illinois while sampling beer from Highway 14 Brewing Company in Albion, Nebraska. And we'll introduce our newest segment, The Sportsman Sip. I'm Drew. Game week! And that's Ben. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. Right, Drew, we have made it. We have made it through the off season. It is now officially game week. How are you feeling? It's game week. I'm feeling so good. I'm so ready for this season to begin. It's been a long off season. In a good meal mood. In a good, <laughs> meal. <laughs> In a good mood. Feeling great. Feeling awesome. Yes. Cool. I'm gonna bring that good mood down. All right. Wonderful. This, this past week we had a little snafu within the program. And I wanted to recap that for listeners, and I had some thoughts. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the Scott Frost, Nebraska football NCAA analyst investigation. So in an article on the Action Network, Brett McMurphy reported that Nebraska was under NCAA investigation for violating a rule in 2020 pertaining to their special team senior analyst, Jeremy Rutledge. Basically, the rule in question states that analysts cannot engage in any coaching activities, including but not limited to skill instruction, strategy planning, and drill participation. During practices and games, analysts can only observe, interact with coaches, and be present in huddles so long as they aren't the ones coaching. McMurphy's source claims that Rutledge violated this rule by actively coaching Nebraska players during practice. His source also claims that there is video evidence of this exact violation. Now, the article goes on to claim that Nebraska violated additional rules pertaining to off-campus workouts coordinated by the strength and conditioning staff in the off-season during the pandemic, but Nebraska is not under NCAA investigation for those allegations. By rule, Scott Frost and Athletic Director Trev Alberts cannot comment on ongoing NCAA investigations. During Wednesday's presser, Frost did comment on said workouts, seemingly confirming that those are not part of the investigation. So, I have some thoughts. For what it's worth, I hate the circus that this has caused in the national and local media as we gear up to celebrate the start of the 2021 football season. Nebraska was keeping relatively quiet in camp after dealing with the noise of opting out of a bowl game, 
ducking Oklahoma and Bill Moose's early forced retirement, whatever that whole thing was. And it might be pertaining to this. We don't know. It sucks to be the butt of a joke. It sucks to be a punchline, especially when it feels like people are punching down to hit you instead of punching up. Nebraska's really been at a low point for a while. And just a week before McMurphy's report, Nebraska was being mocked over a fake alternate uniform. None of that feels good. Being a punchline is something when people say winning solves a lot or everything. To me, winning solves not being a punchline. I can agree with that. Okay. 100%. 100%. Cool. Breaking the rules is a different beast altogether. And here's where my frustration comes in. Here's my soapbox. Indulge me if you will. Let's do it. Let's hear it. I take pride in Nebraska being a university and a football program that values grit and integrity. I take pride in being a member of a fan base that cheers louder at hard runs and hustle plays than any other team. Like that to me defines what it means to be a Husker fan. I don't exist in a world where everyone does it, so it's fine that we do it too. But it just doesn't feel good to be a fan base that prides themselves on being the guys to do it right and then find out you didn't do it right. I can agree with that. That was my first reaction too, was just more embarrassed than anything. And it's like, you know, it's another here we go again. Yeah. So I appreciate like I appreciate all the thoughts and I agree with you too. Like I I want Nebraska to do it the right way. That's always that's kind of Frost's thing. That's that's why I've always cheered for him. It's a bummer that that there's some hypocrisy there, I yeah. guess, that's that's coming to light. Not a maybe not a big surprise because that's just people. People make mistakes. Yeah, like you said, hopefully hopefully Nebraska as an organization just learns from this and it gets better for it. I had a lot of friends who are or fringe fans or who aren't as in depth in, in researching all this stuff as you and I are saying, you know, man, how does it how does it feel to have like your team accused of cheating and it's like well cheating to me implies that there was negative intent behind it i don't know if there was an active decision made to like we know the rules let's skirt them especially when you hear frost talk about the workouts how they were like no we approved everything through the university and through the athletic department we did everything on the up and up so i don't want to go as far as to say it's frustrating to hear that my head coach cheated i don't feel that way what i am frustrated about though is the thoughts that say, you know, everyone else is doing it, so it's fine that we do it. And those were my frustrations on it. But I believe that the people are in place to move forward and to own up if there was anything or if there is anything to own up to and go forth from there. Yeah. I'm sure you watched the the press conference where Trev Alberts and Scott Frost were standing up there. Yeah. Trev Alberts looked like a dad who dragged his his son to the neighbors after Scott hit a, a baseball through the neighbor's window. Right. And just and had him stand there and in just Scott's go through case, the apology. In Scott's case, it would have been his mom taking him when he threw a shot put through the window. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also think that Frost was just like, this is nothing. Yeah. He, and, yeah. He's probably tired of it just as much as anybody yeah. else. Like he, he wants to be focused on the season. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I can wash myself of that now. Cool. All right. Cool. So let's move away from talking about NCAA infractions, no matter how fun they are. And let's switch gears into talking about some beer. How's that sound? I love it. Cool. So let's dive into Highway 14 Brewing Company out of Albion, Nebraska. These guys opened their doors on October 27th of 2018, and the brewery is owned by husband and wife Greg and Mandy Luttle. Greg shares the brewmaster duties with Drew Nywoner. Greg, whose background is in biology, was an avid home brewer, and Greg was encouraged to start his own brewery by the friends and family he was sharing his beer with. Now, if you're a home brewer, that's like the ultimate praise, right? Like, you got to start your own brewery. Yeah, that's definitely what you want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Not like, maybe you should look into other hobbies. Cool. What else do you do on the weekends? (laughs) So beginning in March of 2018, Greg and Mandy, along with an army of friends and family, came together to renovate the historic building in which the brewery would call home. Greg's uncle Larry built the tables. Mandy's cousin helped build the bar. Greg's brothers, Mandy's siblings, and both sets of parents helped with paint, construction, and cleaning. 
Key fixtures of the brewery, such as the tin ceiling and their stained glass windows, were uncovered during their lengthy renovation. When it came time to name the brewery, Greg worked with his friend Matt Temme to develop their brand. Greg was quoted saying, We wanted the name to mean something to us. I grew up along Highway 14, and Highway 14 brought me to a town where I met my wife Mandy and many of our lifelong friends. To match their open road theme, they paired Highway 14 with the look of the classic Phillips 66 logo. The design is fresh, yet road-tested and familiar. It's a perfect blend of the old and new. In opening Highway 14, Greg was excited to offer additional jobs to his community and provide another place for folks to feel entertained and relaxed. Their website states, our mission is to brew great beer, have fun, and create a place that people want to keep coming back to. Their success over the past three years has shown they have accomplished exactly that. Now, the cool thing about Albion, Nebraska, Drew, is they're a town of about 1,500 people, and about 20% of the people that live in Albion work in manufacturing. Now, that's important because when you have a brewery like this in a town like Albion, where there's only 1,500 people, having those big city amenities makes it so that people want to stay around. They want to hang out. They want their own place that they can be proud of and have their own haunt, and Highway 14 provides exactly that, you know. That's why these breweries in these smaller towns are so important is you have all these generations of people who are looking at cities like Grand Island, Kearney, Lincoln, Omaha, and they're saying, man, there's a lot that those places have. But then when you find a place like Highway 14 popping up in Albion, it encourages those people to stay. Yeah, and it's and I think it's really cool. It's um, I mean, it's a family business, right? And it's very personal, like down to the name and everything. Um, the family re- renovating everything together. You know, the whole it takes a village to raise a brewery. It's cool that that they put something so personal out into a public space and make it a part of the community. Absolutely, with that whole family getting on board too. I can only imagine that anytime any of those family members move, they're like, "We're calling Greg because he owes us." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> He'll, he'll bring the beer. Yeah, he'll bring the beer and he better bring a pickup. Right. <laughs> um, so I've got some fun facts about Albion. Okay. All right. Let's hear it. So the naming rights to the town of Albion was actually decided in a card game. Specifically, it was a game of Euchre. Four men played. Two of them were on the side of naming the city Albion and two were hoping to uh, name it Manchester. Oh, okay. Yeah. Can you guess who won? Well, <laughs> <laughs> the, the two men who actually won or the, the side that won, uh, they were from Albion, Michigan. Yeah, that's neat. So that was kind of cool. And then also, while I was doing research on Highway 14, I came across an article in the Albion newspaper, and it absolutely warmed my heart. And it's 100% small town headline. The headline is this. New brewery adds window decal. (laughs) (laughs) So I just loved that in this community, they were so excited to get this new establishment It's this unique thing. And again, talking about draws to this community Mm -hmm. that they were like, gotta let people know the window decals up. So that is our introduction to Highway 14 Brewing Company. So Drew, tell us about the beer from Highway 14 that we have in front of us. All right. We are drinking Luttle Red. It is a wheat beer brewed with dried hibiscus for an added floral note and a very distinct red color. Um, It is a beer for Husker Nation and part of Highway 14's flagship lineup. Yeah, what do you think about it? Well, like it says, I mean, it it pours red, right? Like it is distinctly red. The flavor is great. It's cranberry. It's a little bit tart, a little sweet. Kind of reminds me of like a sparkling grape juice on the aroma, but definitely distinct beer underneath. So Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. I actually love cranberry. I love Mm -hmm. that tartness. And there's just a little bit of sweetness, but it's not cloyingly sweet. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the blueberry wheat that we had. Oh, yeah. Gives a lot of those similar flavors that we have from Bottle Rocket, where you get that tartness that balances out the beer flavor, and then the beer kind of washes and finishes out. So it's a really nice, smooth, easy drinker. I could have a lot of these with Thanksgiving dinner. I could have a lot of these tailgating. I could have a lot of these uh, just chilling on the back porch. Absolutely. I think balance is 
the right word for a beer like this, right? Balance between tart and sweet. Well, cheers to uh, Highway 14. Cheers to Albion. And uh, let's try and keep our adrenaline in check as we switch gears from beer and start talking about this matchup we got ahead of us in Nebraska and Illinois in just a few days. First, let me hit you, Drew, with just the facts. Nebraska versus Illinois will be played at Memorial Stadium in Champaign, Illinois. Kickoff is scheduled for Saturday, August 28th at noon central on Fox. Nebraska is coached by Scott Frost in his fourth season. Frost is 12-20 and all-time as head coach of the Huskers. Illinois is coached by, by Brett Bielema in his first season at Illinois. Nebraska is a one-score favorite with the spread sitting at minus seven. Do you agree with that spread? I'll, I will bet on that all day. Yeah. I won't because I don't gamble. Yeah. Because I don't have money, not because of my morals. But <laughs> I, I understand why the number is what it's at. Yeah. But I just don't agree I with think it. there's a question mark on both sides of the ball for both of these teams. And nobody's seen anything. This feels like a new emergence year for Scott Frost. And it's a brand new Brett Bielema who's had closed practices and isn't sharing anything. Yeah. yeah. So I think that seven is, is a fair seven. But I'm definitely going to take the Huskers on that point. Spread. It is. It's probably like the most one of the most healthy, positive betting lines you could find on Nebraska. Like one of the biggest games they'll be favored in. Yeah. Or the absolutely. largest number. So cool. So, Drew, let's start by talking about the offensive side of the ball and tell me what you are either excited, eager, or both for. Ooh, okay. I got to take a deep breath because I am, I'm really excited about these running backs yeah. this year. And just honestly thinking about it, it just gets me amped up. Here's what I'm looking forward to with Nebraska. And, and I'm, I'm excited and eager, right? I think that Illinois, we know, has a, a terrible time stopping the runner they have in the past couple of years. Last year, they were 101st in rush yards per attempt, giving up 5.1 each time a running back took the ball. Um, Nebraska, on the other hand, was successful running the ball last year. They were ranked second in the Big Ten, and they were 28th overall. But there was a caveat with that. So the quarterbacks last year accounted for 47% of Nebraska's rush attempts, with the three-year average under Frost being at 40%. So it was a bit of an uptick. The past three years, when the player with the most rush attempts in a game is a running back, the Huskers are 6-6. Six and six. However, when the quarterback or the quarterbacks combined in a game have more rushing attempts than the leading running back, Nebraska is 6 and 14. Yeah, that's not good. Not good at all. Nebraska needs a bell cow running back to step up and and really control the game and that's going to make the quarterback run much more effective. Oh, absolutely. This game in particular, especially against this defense, I want to see Nebraska run the damn ball with the goddamn running back. Yeah. Marquis Step, Gabe Irvin, Sevian Morrison. That's a lot of talent, a lot of potential and potentially we have a lot of depth. So I'm excited a little eager to see who that bell cow is going to be and and how much of an impact a positive impact that has on nebraska's game let me ask you this who do you think is going to be the running back that receives the first run right now i'm leaning towards step i think it's going to be step okay i still i guess my my the the guy that excites me the most is gabe irvin really yeah yeah just because he's young his attitude the way he approaches his work the way that people talk about him that dude i think that guy's going to be like a big time guy here that's great i i think it's actually going to be Sevion Morrison and I think that's okay. I think the fact that there's three guys that we could really be comfortable saying, you know, from what's coming out of practice and what's being reported and all that, it could be any of these three guys. That has me excited as opposed to last year there was more of a question of, oh no, who's it going to be? This year it's like, ooh, who's it going to be? <laughs> Reach in and grab a prize. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's that's my eager, right? I'm a mm-hmm. little bit nervous to see who that bell cow running back is just because we haven't had that in years past. But the one thing that does excite me is thinking back to Scott Frost's first year in 2018. And you look at our running back 
then was Maurice Washington, a freshman who came in in that Colorado game, and you just saw him bust out a run. You're like, oh, man, we got a stud. So we know that freshmen can come in and succeed in this offense so long as the blocking is there. And that's not just the lineman blocking, that's your wide receivers as well. And I think from everything we've heard through the offseason and all the guys they've brought in, this is going to be a year where that blocking is there. That wide receiver core is not just going to be there to catch the ball. They're going to be there to make sure that the entire team succeeds on the offense. So I'm excited to see the wide receiver core come out and do their thing. Yeah, and those those positions are going to complement each other, especially if you if you find a couple guys in each place that come into their own and can take over a game. They're each going to make each other better. And just like you talked about, too, where it's Martinez should be a running threat, but he shouldn't necessarily be the go to option. Mm -hmm. That just opens that that quarterback run even more when you've got to worry about wide receivers. You've got to worry about the running back. And then you pull out a play action bootleg. And now Martinez has field in front of him and he doesn't have to throw. He can just take off and run. And now you've got to have guys worried about that. Well, then if someone bites down to try and get Martinez, he's going to leave a guy open. You've got the guys now out there who can make the play. And it kind of starts to get your mind a swirl of like, oh man, this feels kind of like the Chiefs offense. This feels kind of like that. Who do we even cover sort of thing? And you just feel like this could be the first year where we start to see flashes of that. We start to see that start to click. And you're like, this is the Frost offense that we were looking forward to. Yeah. So what's your best case scenario then for for Saturday's game? Sure. So I think I think best that Nebraska can do is that Martinez is going to show a, a real budding connection with multiple receivers. And it's enough to make everybody in Husker Nation feel okay about waiting for the tight end room to get fully healthy. And I think that we will get to see some deep shots against a soft secondary, which is something that we're really desperate for. I also think that best case would be one of the running backs gets a lot of run and really establishes himself as that guy who might be the one going forward for the rest of the season. And then last, this is a big one. I think that uh, best case will be that when Nebraska gets into the red zone, they're putting it into the end zone, something they've not been doing lately. I love what you're saying with red zone should equal the end zone because my best case scenario for Nebraska is 100% red zone touchdown efficiency. I'm not talking about field goals and touchdowns. I'm talking about we score seven points every time we are in the red zone. In three years at Nebraska, Scott Frost has increased his trips to the red zone per game from 3.6 to 4.4, but he's only converted 51.4%. So we're only getting about 2.25 touchdowns out of red zone play every game, and that needs to go up. Can you imagine how last season would have looked if we had 14 more points every game were in the red zone as opposed to whatever we walked away with? I think what our scoring average, I think, was at like 23 points a game. And which is down from 30. So yeah, if you you convert a few more field goals into touchdowns and you're back up towards that 30 mark and then suddenly with this defense holding holding teams to, you know, less points a game, you're looking at much more wins. So best case scenario is when we're in the red zone, we score and the offense is just able to light it up. Yeah, so let's bring it back down now. So my worst case scenario is an obvious one and it's turnovers. The offense just can't turn over the ball, and the worst-case scenario would be that they either match or exceed the five turnovers that they had in 2020 against Illinois. Everyone looking at that goes, it's obvious why we lost that game. We turned the ball over too many damn times. And of those five turnovers, three of them resulted in 17 points, but all five flipped the field and made it difficult for Nebraska to dig themselves out of a hole. So that's that's how I feel, just worst-case scenarios. We just have to hold on to the ball. You, you can't give the ball, and in, in the Illinois game, Illinois only had 54 yards on average to go anytime that they got the turnovers. Yeah, it's like, and that's what turnovers will do, right? They'll, they change the uh, field position of the entire game. Absolutely. And it makes it too easy for the other team. So mine's plain and simple. It's cut and dry. It's You just can't turn the damn ball over. Yeah, 
My okay, so mine is the uh, worst case is that Nebraska is going to open up the game with the swing pass, and Scott Frost <laughs> will respond to the collective groan of Husker Nation with two middle fingers. We'll see Illinois linebackers shut down any talk of Samori Torre being a mismatch in the slot. They've got some really great players there. And so if those guys show up, it could be tough sledding. I also had penalties. I had turnovers on there. You know, just the same mistakes that plague Nebraska, especially against Illinois. We see them pop up, and then that's how these teams have been beating us. Worst case is just more of the same. But yeah, that kind of play just absolutely kills your offensive rhythm and then puts too much strength on your defense I want to hear your I want to hear your defense what you're excited for what you're eager about so I'm excited to just watch a veteran and talented squad take the field and go to work and I'm so excited to see someone make a big play and have the whole team celebrate it I want to see a wild team on the sidelines when the defense goes to work I'm eager to see if they can create a pass rush that's the one thing that I feel is a big question in this defense I know what we have on the line to stop the run. I know what we have in the linebackers, and I know what our secondary is going to be capable of. I don't know if we've got the pass rush, and I feel like that's kind of the missing link that's going to take us from a top 50 defense to a top 30 or top 20 defense this year. Okay. I agree with your eager. I'm right on board with you. Um, I addressed that at a later time in my game prediction, and so cool. I'll, I'll dig into that there. Here's what I'm excited for. You talk about a whole team. I am excited for Cam Taylor Britt. I cannot wait to watch this guy play football. Yeah. I, I love I love watching him play because he loves playing. Yeah. His love of football becomes my love of football on game day. It is contagious. And I think the players around him feed off of it. But he's just a special player. And this is this might be the last time we get to watch him play in a Husker uniform. This might be the last season. I'm just ready to eat it up. I can't wait. I, I, I just he's just one of those players that I like latch on to every time he's on the field. So. Yeah. I feel like if we if if we only had one person on the field because everyone else was like injured or thrown out or something like that and it was just Cam, I feel like we'd still We'd be okay. We'd be okay. <laughs> right. That's no knock on the rest of the team. That's just the kind of effort that he plays with and the kind of excitement you're talking about that he brings to the game. So let's ride the high. Yeah. Tell, tell me about your best case scenario. So my best case scenario is the defense limits Illinois' run game especially Chase Brown. Illinois as a whole ran for 285 yards and four touchdowns against Nebraska in 2020 when they averaged 197 per game in the same season. They only scored nine total rushing touchdowns all of 2020 versus the four that they scored against Nebraska. So my best case scenario is that just gets taken away from them because I'm going to talk about it in my worst case scenario. I don't think Brandon Peters is going to have another career day ever in his life like he had against Nebraska last year. And so if the defense can just come out and stop the run, this game's going to be cake because mm-hmm. our secondary and our linebacking core are going to go to work on the on the passing game. I'm not worried about that. So if we can just shut down the run, who buddy, I'm going to have so much fun next Saturday. Yeah. And I, you know, I carry around a lot of Brandon Peters stats in my head. Um, <laughs> so well, I'm going to talk you, about them too. When you say career game, like it's a legit, like it was the fourth most yards fourth most total yards he's he had in a game in his career and also it was the highest completion percentage that he had in a career yeah so um ah anyway um okay i gotta i got real down there for a minute i'm supposed to be good i'm supposed to be high best case yeah this is your best case scenario Drew, what yeah, is your best God, case scenario? okay let's here's, not worry about brandon peters yet this is my this is my so first of all this is this is not my best case scenario but listen to this cam taylor Britt. that's it cam taylor Britt, along with either quentin newsom braxton clark or tyree johnson whoever it's going to be plus our two super senior safeties in dismuke and williams 
with guys like Farmer and NPG rotating in, be still my heart. That secondary, who I think best best case scenario is they are just a shutdown unit yeah. against Illinois. What that's going to do is that's going to allow Coach Chins to stack the box with the front seven and I think just tee off on the run game. And that's where Nebraska's defense is going to start to feel more like the Havocs and less like the have-nots. See what I did there? Word play. Yeah. So that's my best case. I love that. I really do think that we have the type of corners that match up well with a team like Illinois because when we get to talking about Brandon Peters, he's not necessarily going to be your guy who's going to drop it into the perfect little window. So if you have corners who can cover and you've got your front seven loaded in the box to just take him out of the game, there's your pass rush. It may be more schemed than an individual who busts past their offensive line. I think your defense is going to have a very successful day. So if, if those corners just have to exist by themselves on an island, cool. I think they're up to it. I think they can do it. And yeah. they've got they've got safeties behind them who they can count on to to, to pick up the slack. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Bring it back down. Yeah. What's your worst case? My worst case scenario, and we touched on this already a little bit and kind of gave a little sneaky sneak for it. Brandon Peters has another career game against Nebraska. Oof. Okay. okay. Are you ready? No. So let's talk about Brandon Peters. <laughs> okay. You said you got stats in your head. I got stats on paper. Brandon Peters in 2020, this is the whole season for him. Mm-hmm. He completed 48.75% of his passes. Woof. He threw for 85 yards per game. <laughs> he got 5.4 yards per completion. He had three passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. In in one game or like total? This is his three. 2020. Okay. Don't make fun of him. <laughs> Do not make fun of him. This is where we get caught. Brandon Peters versus Nebraska in 2020. Jesus. Okay. Completed 72% of his passes over 48 for the whole season. He threw for 205 yards instead of 85. He threw for 8.2 per completion instead of 5.4. Of his three passing touchdowns, one was against Nebraska. Of his one rushing touchdown, it was against Nebraska. Our defense can't let him have another career game. We need to break that trend of crummy quarterbacks having career games against Nebraska. So my worst case scenario is we have to watch that on August 28th. See Brandon Peters come out and feel like he, quote unquote, owns Nebraska. Oh, God. That's it. That's my worst case scenario. I, I just, I can't, I can't, like, I can't, I can't process it if that is what happens. Like, I'm already sad thinking about it. So it's not going to happen. The best case scenario is going to happen. We're going to shut down the run. Our corners are going to, Brandon Peters is, is going to take his helmet off and throw it in the ground. He's going to get ejected. He's going to get called for targeting. Like, <laughs> First quarterback ever to be ejected. Yeah. If but we, that's that's my that's worst case. God, I will if, have a breakdown. It, it's beyond just the one in the L column. It would ruin my day, period. Okay. Let me say my worst case scenario, because this is what I think is realistically the worst case scenario for Nebraska this year. And maybe it'll maybe it'll help you feel a little bit better about Brandon Peters. Okay. Okay. I think worst case is that we see 2020 all over again, where Nebraska couldn't stop the run, but now it's Bielema calling the shots. He's got Chase Brown. He's got Epstein. They'll have a big game, but he's also got this new guy, Reggie Love the Third, who I think could ball out and be a guy to watch moving forward. In the worst case scenario, I think we're going to see um, some flashback-induced PTSD from the running backs uh, from the 2012 Big Ten Championship game, while Brandon Peters nearly game manages his team to victory. In my worst case scenario, Brandon Peters is a non-factor. <laughs> I don't know how much that helps. Yeah, I mean, Illinois does have an offensive line that is a highly touted offensive line. They're a veteran group of guys. So it is a possibility 
But I think that Nebraska's scheme and size will be ready for whatever kind of run attack they're going to throw at Nebraska. Because I don't think that Bielema thinks he's going to win the game with Brandon Peters. I don't think that Nebraska's secondary is going to fall to that challenge, especially coming into the first game. When there is so much on the line, there's so much noise. We talked about it at the very beginning. These dumb NCAA investigations, that's all going to be energized and absorbed by this team. And Nebraska is going to come out ready to prove something. And so Brandon Peters is going to be a non-factor in this game because Nebraska is going to shut him down and they're going to shut down that run. I hope so. Brett Bieleman knows how to win without a quarterback. Not at Arkansas. <laughs> well, at Wisconsin against Nebraska, he does. Fair. And so and so I guess that's why that's where I see things going wrong is that Brett Bielema just kind of unlocks that magic code or whatever that yeah. he's got with his with his run game. But you also got to remember that the Brett Bielema that played against Nebraska at Wisconsin, I mean, there's there's just a lot to Nebraska's offense that I don't think Bielema is going to be as effective against as he was Nebraska teams of the past. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, my beer's out, so I Me think too. we're ready for another one. Before we move on to special teams, we just want to take a quick moment to talk about our show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. As we mentioned at the top of the show, Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska. The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a link. <laughs> my, my, in my brain, I finished what you were going to say. A Linkle Drinking Age. A Linkle, a Linkle Dregle Age. I don't know. <laughs> a Linkle Dregle Age. Oh, God. Okay. The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer through promotion, education, and events. The craft beer industry provides over 4,000 full-time jobs in Nebraska alone. When you drink craft beer, you're supporting local small business, something that's important now more than ever. If you're a fan of craft beer like we are, you can support the NCBG by joining the Nebraska Beer Alliance. Being a member gives you access to exclusive discounts, Nebraska beer merch, and members-only information. You can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, find local breweries, and join the Nebraska Beer Alliance by visiting nebraska.beer. Ben, why don't you tell us about the beer we're drinking right now? Yeah, so this is Highway 14's Peacemaker IPA. It's a single-hopped IPA, and it registers in at 6.8%. This is a very flavorful IPA that is getting more and more uh, fruity as we drink has a lot of peach, or as you said earlier, stone fruit, very Cicero of you. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm picking up some herbal hints too, kind of some uh, Thai basil, minty qualities that you're finding in there as well. Yeah, I was going to say when, you know, just smelling the beer, it's, it, you pick up that peach right away and it's it's a really soft but very pleasant kind of aroma to it. Um, I was really caught off guard by the flavor in a good way. That that herbal taste to it really hit me, but the peach still comes through. It's it's incredibly flavorful um but very pleasant you can see why they call it the peacemaker and why you would say it does damage yeah i would shake hands over this beer with someone i'd be like yeah let's put our differences aside two peacemakers for someone who's not a, a huge ipa guy i'm not a big ipa fan i'm getting into that world and exploring them this has very little hop bitterness to it mm -hmm. it gives you that fruit flavor from the hop the bitterness is only there in the background that you might get from sort of like an amber or a red ale or something like that where it's not taking over the beer, it's not the pine cone sensation. This is an IPA that, like, if you were saying, oh, I know you don't like IPAs, but try this. Yeah, and I love IPAs, but I honestly, I can honestly say of the, I don't know, hundreds, thousands, or whatever I've had, like, this is this is different. It stands out. It's very unique, and it's it's really wonderful. It was, like I said, it just caught me off guard. Yeah. And, yeah, and I'm, I'm very surprised and very happy with it. Well, should we transition from talking about this special beer to talking about 
special teams. How was that for a segue? Oh, nice. Oh, man. Oh, God. Well, let's hope that our special teams this year is as good as Highway 14 Spear. Yeah. So what are you excited and or eager about when it comes to special teams? Can I say Cam Taylor Britt again? <laughs> because that's that's what I'm excited about. So you're expecting him to be on punt return, punt kickoff return. return. And I think if we can get him in position where he can actually return more balls, it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Any Anytime, again, anytime he can be on the field, anytime I can watch him play football, I don't care what he's doing. He's going to, he's a game changer. Yeah. He's fun. Eager. I'm eager. I'm interested in seeing what they do with the kickoff. If we can get touchbacks this year, it sounds like they feel pretty confident. The coaching staff does that. We're going to see some touchbacks. Yeah. Connor Culp last year, we'll put it like 30% of them in the end zone, mm-hmm. which is below the national average. It's not necessarily what you want to see. So hopefully they found a guy or maybe it is Connor Culp that's worked on it and give us some touchbacks. So I'm excited and eager to just see the special teams product. It's probably more eager, a little more nerves, but I just want to see with Mike Dawson behind the wheel as a special teams coordinator, what does he bring to the field? I wasn't even thinking about Cam Taylor Brent, or I hear good That's things. That's all I think about. <laughs> that makes sense then why you got that tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as far as best case scenario goes, what do you have? Best case scenario, I think, for this team, this game, is that our return defense just looks competent. That's all we're looking for here. We don't completely blow it when it comes to the field position game. Somebody, whoever our kickoff guy is, they show enough leg strength to compete with their Wiener Schlinger for kickoff duty. <laughs> <laughs> and the broadcast only shows last year's fake punt by Illinois twice, and both times I'm in the other room grabbing a beer. Oh my god, that fake punt! That was the one with the jukes, right? Where the, the punter was, was it, juking nobody. Ghosts, dude was seeing ghosts. <laughs> he was probably I mean, waiting was, for someone to tackle him. He yeah. was like, they, they got to be close. He looked like he he wanted to just fall down and 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 surrender. But he made, and he still made it. And that was the thing. Like, nope. Like, he had all the room in the world. It was, oh, it's fucking awful. Yeah. And so, yeah. If I could, if I could live the rest of my life and never see that again, I'll be okay. What if, what if they tried to pull the same thing, but then Cam Taylor Britt came up and blasted him, and he fumbled, and then Cam Taylor Britt scored a touchdown, and like, then they showed those two plays side by side. Would could you? Mm, I gotta go change my pants. Uh, oh, okay. All right. Give me your best case. So my best case scenario is to improve Nebraska's starting field position in the punt return game. Nebraska's starting field position after a punt averaged the Nebraska 27-yard line or 73 yards to pay dirt. 50% of the time, Nebraska was starting behind their own 20. Jesus. Nebraska's opponents averaged their own 35-yard line and only saw themselves with 80-plus yards to go 32% of the time. If you, like, take into consideration their red zone offense, like... They they have a long-ass way to go just to get a touchdown. It's like, no wonder they're not making it most of the time. They've got so fucking far to go. Yeah. They've got to travel the whole, like, the whole length of the field every single time just to get, just to get into scoring position. Yeah, you're not wrong. And then the defense has less room to do their job. So I have faith in Nebraska's defense when it comes to the red zone. But when you're giving your opponents that good of field position off punts, you have less room to work to create havoc plays and less room for your defense to bend. You get to the point to where they start breaking because they're exhausted. They're having to put more in to try and stop these guys from busting off a big play and scoring a touchdown on something that they could have had the extra room to to catch up. So my best case scenario is that that improves for Nebraska, and that will then in turn help them flip the field. That will make sure that their opponents get a worse starting field position. So it helps both sides of the ball. Yeah, I like that. And you, as you dig into it, you start to see really why special teams is so important. Oh, absolutely. Just the way it impacts the game. 
So what about worst case scenario? What is your, is it, you have to see that replay four times? Yeah. Or it just, that's it. That's just in my nightmares, like clockwork orange. Like somebody straps me to a chair and like leaves my eyeballs open. Yeah. Um, yeah. Worst case scenario, I think is Illinois using the strength of their kicking unit to their advantage. They've got uh, the kicker and the punter both returning and that's, it is a strength of their team. Yeah, they've had a lot of practice. <laughs> Nice backhanded compliment. <laughs> That's what we're here for. They, it kind of my my worst case scenario goes into your into your best case, right? Like Illinois uses the strength of their kickers to control the field position game, and then they're able to kick enough field goals just to keep them close. And then the worst case scenario is when wide receiver Kamari Thompson flips the momentum entirely and returns a third quarter kickoff for a touchdown. So that's my that is my apocalypse. What do you got? So my worst case scenario is that opponents improve their starting kickoff field position in 2020. Nebraska kicked off a total of 41 times in 2020, roughly five times per game. Nebraska's opponents started their field position behind the 25 only eight of those times. Over the course of the season, Nebraska's opponents average starting field position coming off of a kickoff was their own 29 yard line. In comparison, Nebraska averaged their own 24 yard line. Between punting and kickoffs, Nebraska just needs to stop giving away free yards and shortening the field. And so touchbacks are so important this year for Nebraska to just keep guys at the 25 or further back. I don't care if we can stop them at the 20. I just want to start seeing a five-yard improvement. And if we can do more touchbacks than we've done in the past three years under Frost, we're going to see natural improvement there, and we're going to lengthen the field for the opposing offense. Do you know how you know when you're really bad at kick returns? Uh, you're just praying for touchbacks? When when literally doing nothing improves your starting field position by a whole yard. Yeah. So, so that's what I'm looking forward to, what I'm not looking forward to, my concerns, my fears, my hopes, my dreams for this game coming up. That kind of puts it all in a nutshell. Yeah. Special teams, offense, defense, it's all there. Now it's time to introduce the Sportsman Sip. Each game matchup before we reveal our predictions, we'd like to raise a glass to our opponent and sample a beer local to their university. This week, we are sportsmen sipping Das Vidanya Barrel-Aged Imperial Stout from Distilled Brewing Company in Normal, Illinois. You can't not say it that way ever again. Dish, how do you say it? Distill Brewing? Distill? I know, but in the Russian. Distill. Thank you. For those traveling to the game, Distill Brewing is about an hour drive from Champagne, and we don't condone drinking and driving or overinflated Uber charges. Fortunately, we do have a recommendation for a craft brewery in town. That's Riggs Beer Company in Urbana. It's only a five-mile or $13 Uber ride from Illinois' Memorial Stadium. It's the perfect place to hit up after the game. Riggs Beer Company is a veteran-owned brewery that is focused on brewing German and American beer styles and incorporating large amounts of Riggs farm grain into their beers. So if you're not someone who's a huge fan of craft beer, they're going to offer a lot of great beers that match up with a palate that might be more accustomed to domestics, so they're a great place to go out after the game. They lead the regional brewing industry in vertical integration of local grains and an environmentally sustainable brewing, which is awesome. They are a destination for beer drinkers and craft beer drinkers alike, so we hope you're able to stop out. Matt Riggs at Riggs Beer Company invited Drew and I out to record this very episode and drink at his brewery, but we weren't able to make it, so we need all of you to make it there in our place. Yeah, we we really appreciate Matt's generosity in inviting us out. It's the kind of generosity you find from craft brewers you know, throughout Nebraska and, and really everywhere. So um, what we'd really want is just for Nebraska to do what we do best, and that's just invade the space. Yeah. So get to Riggs beer co and and have a beer yeah he's got a huge patio so if the weather's beautiful you can order a beer go sit outside keep the party rolling hopefully we're rolling after a win 
which mm. is the perfect segue into our oh. game predictions. Drew, your early prediction was 41-20. Yes. And my early prediction was 42-26. I'm going to start with the predictions. Okay. And I'm going to let you bring it home. Okay. After the events of last week, rather than crumbling under the media and national scrutiny, Scott Frost team will come out laser focused and looking like the Scott Frost team we expected. Nebraska will answer the call on defense, shutting down Illinois' aggressive run offense, leaving our secondary to make Brandon Peters' air assault look like bird turd on the pavement. Nebraska's offense under Frost has always felt limited by its lack of playmakers and sloppy play. This year, the offense will click and get out of its own way. 2021 is the year Nebraska's offense finally has the pieces in place for the dogs to break off their leashes. The passing game will strike early and often against Illinois, opening up the run game to close things in the second half. Adrian will look like the stud of 2018, and casual fans will have a whole lot of new names to learn on the offensive side of the ball. Is it pronounced Tour? Tourie? It's Toure, Grandpa. Huskers roll 38-20. So first of all, you're flip-flopping on your original prediction, which I don't know if you know this, but Brett Bielema has what he calls flip-flop Fridays. I hate it. Yep, I do too. He does it He does it with his players. I guess they wear flip-flops. I don't know. Do they wear them at practice, or it's just like, we're just going to wear flip-flops at the commissary? I, I think it's just a casual Friday thing. I, have, I Seriously, I don't know what I also does. think Brett Bielema uses the word commissary. <laughs> Can't imagine that word coming out of that dude's mouth, but okay. Drew, let's hear it. Let's hear your prediction for Illinois. I wanted to change my prediction, too. I actually wanted to drop us down into the 30s, and I wanted to take Illinois down as well into the teens, but I didn't. Stick to my guns. That's what I do. Okay, here we go. I'm a coward. Just say I'm a coward. (laughs) No, Bielema is not an eating disorder, but the guy makes me... Okay. All right. I'll try not to laugh, but I'm going to laugh. Just keep going. No, Bielema is not an eating disorder, but the guy makes me want to puke. The last time... I can't even say it. Okay. All right. No, Bielema is not an eating disorder, but the guy makes me want to puke. The last time Nebraska played against a Bielema team, they gave up 539 yards and eight touchdowns on 50 rushing attempts. He may have capable backs and an experienced offensive line in his first year, but don't expect Illinois to run all over Nebraska on Saturday. Why? One word. Snacks. He's a lean, mean, space-eating machine that will help Nebraska improve from a good run-stopping defense to a great run-stopping defense. With the Huskers finding themselves in favorable third-down situations and having a trustworthy secondary Chenander will get creative with his fronts and have us drooling over the team's 2021 pass rush potential. Meanwhile, on offense, former Nebraska quarterback and Louisville sightseer Luke McCaffrey won't be leading the offense to the tune of five turnovers. Adrian Martinez may be number two on game day, but he's number one in my heart and firmly atop the depth chart. Confident, poised, and surrounded by a ton of skill guys, hungry to make a big first impression, Martinez will kick off his Heisman campaign in Champaign. The Illinois defense looks about as potent as an NCAA investigation. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You I said there. it was coming. Whew. The Illinois defense looks about as potent as an NCAA investigation, and all those extra practices for Nebraska finally pay off. Don't listen to your parents, kids. Cheaters do prosper. Nebraska 41, Illinois 20. <laughs> I love it. 
<sighs> it can't get here soon enough. I can't wait. I cannot wait for game day. I'm tired of predicting and basing stuff off of last year and looking into a magic ball that means nothing. Yeah. I just want I just want to watch football. And I want to watch Cam Taylor Britt play football. You've made that abundantly clear. I don't think I can make it clear enough. <laughs> All I want. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to ask you for your Christmas list and it's just going to be Cam Taylor Britt. I'm going to be like, how do you do you want him to be kidnapped? Or? How do you fit him inside of a stocking? I don't know, but you got to figure it out. Get knitting. All right, before we say goodbye, we want to give you another chance to win our season-long prize package, including a game-used Nebraska football and local brewery swag. For this week's entry, email wannabewalkons at gmail.com with your score prediction for the Nebraska-Illinois game. And remember, only one entry per episode, and you don't have to be correct to win. If you're a new listener or haven't entered for our earlier episodes, you can do so until we give the prize away. Just make sure to include your first and last name in your email entry. That does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned in to this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Wannabe Walk-Ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Remember to do your part. Drink local beer wherever you are. You can find more information on Highway 14 by visiting highway14brewingco.com. And if you find yourself in Albion, Nebraska, stop in and have a round. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation. And if you're traveling to Champaign for Nebraska's season opener, first off, I'm jealous. Second off, make sure to check out Riggs Beer Co. in Urbana. Tune in next week as we sit down and sample beers from Canyon Lakes Brewing, share our thoughts on the Illinois game, and preview the Fordham matchup. Thanks for listening, and as always, drink big red. Drink big wet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Elmer Fudd. Drink, drink, go Huskers. That's it. Will you do it? Will you please allow? Will you please? Can we just, can you leave it at that?